Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Biblical and Reformed Network. Today is episode 32. Join us as we discuss preachers preaching. No, preaching and preachers. Preaching and preachers. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on our social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all the other ways you can support us and connect with us. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed with conceit and fall to the, into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. First Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. Well, hello and welcome, everybody. My name is Andrew. And I'm Matt. And we have... A guest named Nick Mason on the Locust and Honey podcast. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> it's a good one today. So yeah, so we're excited. Uh, preaching and preachers. Yes, I had took that title from a book that I really like. Nick, have you read Preaching and Preachers? I have. I read it. It's been a couple years since I finished it, but yes, I've read it. Yeah, I like that uh, book. It's by who's it by, Nick? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. <laughs> yeah, the one and only. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about preaching. We're going to be talking about preachers, and um, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be good. Uh, a needed conversation. We've got Nick on the show today because Nick is a bivocational pastor. How long have you been a pastor, Nick? I've been a pastor for five years at Mountain Creek Baptist Church in Monroe, Georgia. Nice. So uh, before we get into all of that, Andrew... Give me an affirmation. All right. Um, I'm going to affirm all of the lovely rain we've been having. It's been great for the grass. <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> my yard needs it. Um, it's Our yard is it was in horrible shape when we moved into our house. And so um, it's been a process to try and get it looking good. And the rain, the rain helps. Because right when we moved in, we went through like, we had like no rain at all. So the grass was just withering and hadn't quite figured out the sprinkler system yet. So it was just not good looking. It was but bad. It was bad. But now we've got a lot of a lot of good rain. So the yard looks nice and green and full and fluffy. Nice. Filled with weeds, but mm. <laughs> we'll get we'll get there eventually. Happens. Yeah. All right. So my affirmation is a documentary that actually came out today. 
It's called Uncle Tom 2. And we've got several guys that are a part of the bar network. And they have, um, they got a podcast called Just Thinking. And they are a part of this. And then the other guy that's a part of it is Vody Bauckham. Um, they interviewed those three guys plus others, but, uh, uncle Tom too. And it's a documentary that I would recommend everybody check out and watch it, listen to it. And then if they had follow-up questions to get in touch with us, you know, something that we're going to be talking about in the future. Um, in fact, next week we're doing an interview with another podcast called Dear Woke, Dear Woke Christian. Uh, and w- what we're going to be talking to him about is what would Booker T. Washington, what does he have to say to culture today? Um, and, and so I think it's an important conversation. I think it's a gospel conversation. And it's a, go- a gospel conversation that all Americans need to be having. So uh, check out Uncle Tom too. We actually have a promo code because we're part of the Bar Network. So if you go to UncleTom.com, you can stream the episode or the, the documentary, or you can get a DVD of the documentary. But if you put in Bar Network, B-A-R-N-E-T-W-O-R-K, in the promo code area, you get a 30% discount on that. So go check it out. Uh, put in our promo code and get some money off to watch it. I think it's an important documentary, and I think it will uh, be beneficial to the kingdom for having watched it. Uh, Nick, give me an affirmation. I affirm the need to be prepared for being interviewed on a podcast. Do you? (laughs) Yes, because I spent 20 minutes looking for a USB port from my microphone to my computer. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, we had to figure out. We were using a bad cable on our end too. So that is uh, par for the course <laughs> for us. Uh, we had uh, we couldn't even use my computer for like three weeks. So that was fun, fun times. Yeah, but we're starting to get it all figured out. Uh, yeah, preparedness. I like that, Nick. All right, let's deny something. All right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Andrew. All right. I'm going to deny ants. Like your mom's sister? No, like the ants are marching ants. Ah. Yeah. Like the one by ones. Yeah. Okay. Why do you deny ants? Like all ants? No, just the ones in my yard. What about sugar ants? Well, those are in my car, so I got to get rid of those too. Yeah. Summertime in Georgia, <laughs> the sugar yeah. ants are bad in the house. Well... But you're you're not denying sugar ants, just the ones in your yard. Well, I'll deny the ones in my car too. For I'm not denying reason. all ants for in all of the world. I'm just denying the ants. What about bullet ants? Well, I don't know. Just I'm gonna deny the specific ants that are in my yard because right. today, I, like I said, for my affirmation, it's been raining like crazy here, and so my yard had gotten a little bit too wild, and so I went out this morning and and did all the yard work I needed to do for it. And lo and behold, there are three just massive ant beds that have formed, but the grass was so tall (laughs) that I couldn't see them. And so 
um, I destroyed them and the ants, some of them like attached to my leg and held on for dear life and bit me and all this. And I was like, this is just So what you're saying is while you were destroying their home, they defended themselves and you're mad at them for that? No, I'm not. I'm mad at them for, for building their home on our property. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. They can have a home. Just put it somewhere else. There you go. Nick, do you want to go ahead and jump in front of me and deny something? Or do you need to think about it? Mm, I'm going to also deny ants because I've wow. had a huge huge problem with ants in my car. Okay. Mm. And it's about to drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I love ants. They're good for the environment. Stay out of my car. There you go. I agree. <laughs> I'm not going to deny ants, but I'm going to deny something else today. Uh, I'm going to deny, this is going to sound weird. All right. So I affirm my wife and I love <laughs> my wife. I love her to death. She is a blessing from the <laughs> Lord in which I am very grateful <laughs> But for those of you that are married, um, when you get a wife, <clears throat> you also need to purchase Drano. <laughs> yeah. Because with a wife here, here. comes clogged sinks and clogged drains mm. in the shower. Um, and every once in a while, I'll take a shower and there's just like all this hair over the drain. And if I move it with my foot, it looks like, there's like a dead baby mouse in the shower <laughs> of just wet hair. And so um, I'm not denying my wife. I 100% affirm her. But the uh, – I guess what I'm denying is the what looks like a dead mouse in the shower from cleaning out the, the drain. Yeah. What do we think about that? So are you saying Tiff should shave her head and wear a head, wear a head no, cover? No, no, no. I, I, I think – that my wife has beautiful hair, and when I look at her, I can, I can affirm scripture. It looks like two goats <laughs> running down the mountain of Gilead. <laughs> she has beautiful flowing locks of hair like goats running down a mountain. Mm -hmm. But those goats shed, <laughs> and, <laughs> and those shedding goats clog up the drain. So... Uh, <laughs> That's I'm aff affirming the goats while denying the shedding of the goats. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, to transition gracefully, <laughs> one thing that I was thinking about <laughs> is what we've been doing is not preaching. So, uh, Nick, how would you define preaching? I would say preaching is... To put it simply, I think preaching is taking a portion of Scripture, whether it's a small passage, larger passage, an entire book, and proclaiming the truth of said passage um, to the people that you're addressing. And so if you're in a church context of your congregation, um, and by proclaim, I mean proclaim uh, the central truth of the text, uh, the truth of the text is the truth of the sermon. So um, it's to take that truth and bring it to bear upon uh, the hearts and lives of the people. Uh, not just um, explanation, but explanation with application. Okay. Um, so you know, you're given the sense of the text to the people. Would you, would you or Andrew, uh, you can jump in here too. 
But would you say that there's a difference between teaching and preaching? Yes, okay. I would say. Andrew, you agree with that? I would agree, but I'm not quite sure <laughs> how to articulate that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you want to expand on that, Nick, or do you want me to? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take a shot at it. Um, I think the difference I've seen, um, the more I study scripture and the more I preach, is that preaching seems to involve teaching. Like, there's always teaching involved with preaching. But it's it's kind of like a uh, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Yeah. Thing all preaching involves teaching, okay. but it's not only teaching. Yeah. Um, if, and I would if, say if all it is is teaching, I mean that's that's like a, co- a verbal commentary is teaching in a sense. Right. Yeah, and I I would say that preaching is a weekly proclamation of the text when the saints are gathered together locally on the Lord's day. Um, but it's, it's a proclamation with kind of like a call to action. Mm. Uh, so I am, I am teaching with a call to respond. There's a call to repentance. There's a call to, um, whatever it is. It, it could be celebration. It could be prayer. It could be contrition. It could be repentance. It could be joy. But there's a call of here's not only what the passage is saying, uh, here's how it applies, and here's the the correct biblical response to that passage. And, uh, and, and so that would be kind of how I would define preaching, whereas teaching is expounding on the truth of what God's Word is saying. Um, so I... I you can go to school and you have professors, you can go to seminary and have professors teaching God's word to you. And that's what they're doing. They're teaching the difference between that. And then the Lord's day, when you have a pastor preaching is he's teaching you the same things. And then there's a call to respond to God's word. Um, would, would you guys agree with that? All right. Mm-hmm. So um, the reason that I wanted to talk about preaching and preachers today is there have been a lot of pastors that over the past several years, um, specifically since 2020, uh, there's been a lot of pastors that have gotten out of preaching. Uh, there's been a lot of pastors that have been dealing with depression and anxiety, um, on a scale not seen before. There have been churches that have closed down and, and things like that. And so I just, when you look at that, um, one of the questions that arises is why is this happening? And the sheep are going to look like the shepherd, which is Christ, but pastors are, they're the under shepherd of the flock. And, and so the, the sheep are going to, um, they're going to be, if depending on how he's leading and stuff, that that shepherd, that under shepherd, is going to dictate how healthy those sheep are, and uh, and so I think there's, well, my thesis is this: I think there's a lot of people that were pastors that should not have been pastors, and so we see a lot of people that are getting out for that reason. Uh, they were in a position that they weren't called to be in, and. Uh, for whatever reason, and once the trials got turned up, um, they they left. But I think that's more of a purification thing than I think it's a, a judgment on pastors. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think that what can happen in today's culture, and I think some of it will 
or today's Christian culture. I think some of it could possibly stem from the idea that, um, you know, Christ, not, not that he's not ruling and reigning right now, but that he is, um, so it, it could possibly stem from your view of the church ultimately and your view of like the great commission and what that is. Um, because I think what can happen is you get someone who's mature in the faith, who loves God's word, who has a passion for God's word and drawing near to him. And everyone says all of a sudden in the church, Oh, well, he's going to, he's going to be a pastor. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But it could be that his desire is to go into economics or his desires to go into medicine or, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. but just because he's got a passion for the Lord as he should, all of a sudden he's going to be a pastor. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Well, and I think that ties into the Reformation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there's a lot of churches that have a more Catholic understanding of what it means to be called into ministry than the reformers and all of that do. Um, and what I mean by that is exactly what you're saying. Well, this person is, you know, super spiritual or this person's uber spiritual. And so, uh, we need to make them a pastor. And then that person thinks that, oh, well, you know, this is, I guess if you're on fire for the Lord, then this is the, the role that I have to pursue is ministry. But, um, part of what I love about the writings coming out of the Reformation was that we are all called to be the body of Christ where we're at. And so if I am a cobbler or if I am a ironsmith or if I am a chef or if I am a anything that I'm doing, I need to do as unto the glory of the Lord, you know, because anywhere I'm at, I am being the body of Christ to those around me. Mm-hmm. And so there's as much, um, there's as much somebody who is a made for a hotel. If, if that person is doing that job as unto the glory of the Lord, they have the same amount of, of glory that as a pastor of a mega church that is preaching to 5,000 people a week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I would say, uh, there's, there's probably more of a, a danger for the mega church pastor because he's going to be held to a higher accountability for what he's preaching, uh, to those people. Um, but Nick, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I think it's one of those, like all of the above, uh, type of mm-hmm. questions. So I think, I think to your point, um, to both of y'all's points, I, I would agree with, um, also think we're feeling the effects of bad ecclesiology of, putting everything on the shoulders of the senior quote unquote senior pastor to be the guy who's leading the church, you know, um, when the new Testament always defines pastoring in the plural and these churches are described to us as having a team of pastors shepherding together. Mm -hmm. Um, and well, so hold on right there because that, that was going to be my next. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is, is how do we define a pastor? Um, because as we're looking at all of this, I think there are issues that, that have happened. And, and I think what so I was saying, SBC is trying to figure out, right? Now. Right. What is a pastor? What is a woman? I don't know. We don't know any of these. We could put together a committee to figure them yeah. out, but, uh, God's word tells us. And, and so I think there are a lot of people that are getting out because they're not 
called to be pastors. So there's, there's not that inward call to be a pastor. And then there's not that outward call. Um, there's not these people that are saying, we want to submit to your teaching of the word. Um, but then there are some that are called to be pastors and they have a congregation that is submitting to that. They're, they're wanting to, um, to submit to the the preaching and teaching of the word by by that individual, but they're still getting burnt out, or they're getting you know there's a lot of anxiety that comes. I've got a, a really close friend of mine that um, just recently suffered uh, with a panic attack. He's in the ministry. That was his first time ever doing that. I think that that is exactly what you're talking about, Nick. Um, when you have one guy that's doing it all by himself that becomes very stressful and that position was never meant to be yeah. such. Um, so go ahead and, and mm-hmm. when we're looking at it like a plurality of elders, what should that look like? So I think Andrew's passage that he read at the beginning from first Timothy three, I think it was first Timothy three. Um, mm-hmm. That, I mean, there we have the qualifications listed and the main thing that sets apart the elders from the deacons is the ability to teach which is the mm-hmm. only authority um, that elders have. It's authority, you know, right. uh, authority given to them by the word to teach the word. So are you saying that um, elders are I, not deacons and deacons aren't elders? Right. Yeah. I think it's so, important to and clarify I think that's another that thing, too. Yes. Um, so deacons, yeah, deacons don't have biblically any governing authority in the church or shepherding authority um, because they're, they're leading servants so to speak, they lead in serving the needs of the body under the direction of the elders. See Acts 6 for that. But uh, the elders lead the body through the ministry of the word and prayer. Um, that's how they feed and nourish the sheep. Um, but even among the eldership, there seems to be, I think it's 1 Timothy 5, where Paul um, talks about the elders who, who uh, especially labor in teaching and preaching. Um, being uh, worthy of double honor. And uh, the point here isn't to talk about compensation, but there e- there seem to be, even among the elders, there might be a lead preacher. There might be a guy who's doing the majority of the preaching, but he's not doing it in isolation. Um, he's right. not doing it on his own. He's not planning on his own. He's not shepherding on his own. And I think that reiterates the fact that every shepherd at his core identity is a sheep himself of Christ. Right. And those other elders serve as the pastors for his soul. Um, and that's part of the reason why I think we're seeing all this is because of the unrealistic expectations and, uh, you know, the lack of, uh, of relationships and guys to team up with uh, in shepherding the church. And I would say even in solo pastor churches, a lot of guys don't um, have friendships and connections to lean on. Right. Um, and while they're in the trenches. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think it, but then again, to, to your point, because we have bad views of what pastoring is and what preaching is and, and things like that, we have guys filling the pulpit or entering the ministry who are, you know, have, who have been told they're, they're, they're called to ministry and maybe not necessarily have that desire. They've been told and, you know, um, preach that for so long by others that they just say, well, maybe I am. And, I know of many churches in our area, friends that I could call on who are able preachers and they're not elders and they're fine with not being elders. They're right. good church members at the churches they attend. Well, now, how would you tie lay elders into that? Into the... Uh, Just everything what you're talking about. 
lay elders, uh, like every elder, need to be able to teach. Um, and I think you see, um, I can't, the, the passage is slipping me, slipping my mind, but uh, I think teaching is defined as being uh, Titus. He talks about being able to instruct in sound doctrine and contradict those who refute it. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're able to handle the word of truth. Right. And I don't think that, you know, that Paul doesn't tell it. us what that looks like. Yeah. So like, if there's heresy being being spewed in the church, an elder should be the first to point it out. Um, you know, he should be able to disciple a new believer. He should be able to instruct in some way, whether if it's a one-on-one in discipling new believers, or if it's leading a, a Bible study or a Sunday school class or a, you know, Bible fellowship of some sort. Um, you know, I, I think you can be able to teach and not necessarily be, a, you know, be the main preacher. I, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I, and I think, again, I think Paul even understood that there were some guys who maybe take the lead in that regard, um, in that capacity, um, uh, in first Timothy five, but, um, but yeah, I think lay elders come alongside to support, you know, to support the lead, to the support the lead preacher, but also keep him, um, keep him in check, serve as a pastor to him and mm-hmm. also help in teaching because yeah, as we all know, Sunday morning sermons, it's great, but, uh, and it's the main time the body's gathered, but, um, the, the church grows by the word and we want the church to be nourished by the word and the pastor, one, one pastor can't, you know, you, it's not wise in my opinion to throw it all on one guy to do every bit of teaching. Right. So I, I would say that the elders, the lay elders fit in to help carry the load, um, without being, you know, the, they're, they're maybe the, the pinch hitters, but they're not, you're not calling on them to, to step up to the plate every single week. Yeah. All right. So what I've been noticing is the churches over the past several years that have been growing um, are doing so on the backs of a, a solid pastoral ministry. You know, so you've got guys that are uh, faithfully preaching and teaching the word and guiding the church based on that proper understanding of scripture and that proper understanding of preaching and teaching the word. And then you've got these kind of like celebrity pastor type churches where they've just got a a popular person behind a pulpit. Um, And a lot of those are more topical uh, pastors or things. And those churches have been struggling more so um, with retaining people. And so what are, what should, Andrew, what, what should somebody be looking for in the pastor of a church? Well, I think, you know, the first thing when you would visit a church is, is, is the pastor preaching the text? You know, um, so many times I think uh, what will happen is, is you'll hear a pastor who will go up and he'll, um, maybe read a passage at the very beginning, but then like the rest of the sermon is on some other topical thing that has nothing to do with the actual text. And then he may go back to the text to maybe cherry pick it a little bit to kind of justify what he's saying. Um, but I think there needs to be that true, you know, exe- exegetical preaching going on there, you know? 
Um, and that's, I would say, the, where I would start, you know, um, because I think that ultimately is what, because if someone is preaching out of the scripture, that means that they take it seriously, right. which means that there's a good chance that the rest of what they're doing is at least they're attempting to submit to the authority of scripture the best they understand it. You yeah. know what I mean? Now, it may not be perfect, but that's only because the understanding of scripture is not perfect, not because the heart is unwilling to submit to it, no. you know? So Yeah, so topical preaching versus exegetical preaching. And mm-hmm. the biggest argument that I can give for exegetical preaching is if you're a topical preacher— your congregation is only going to be as spiritually sound as you are. If you're deciding what topics you're going to preach on or even what topics your flock needs to hear, then the church can never surpass your walk with Christ. Whereas if you're preaching exegetically, then the church is going to look more and more and more like Christ, including you every week as you're studying to show yourself approved in properly exegeting the passages that you're reading, you're letting God's word decide what the people need to hear. Right. And, and you're faithfully preaching what God's word is saying. Yeah. You're not just coming up with what you think that person needs to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, do you affirm that? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And, and no, I heard someone say recently that in that way, when you're, when you're preaching expositionally, when you, when the truth of the, when the main truth of the sermon is the main truth of the text, in that way, you're preaching a topical sermon every week. Mm-hmm. But but the topic and the theme is the theme of the text, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're really exposing your your congregation to more topics than you ever would if you were a topical preacher. Yeah, and that's what's fascinating is because you're not only introducing them, but you're forcing yourself to grapple with yeah. themes and and issues in scripture that you may not always tend to fly toward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. So, yeah, I would say the first thing to look for if you're looking for or assessing your church, um, the first thing is exegetical preaching. It's it's key. Um, what would be another thing that you would look for? I think I think I would look not just the pulpit ministry, um, but the the service as a whole. Um, where does what role does the Word of God play in the rest of the service? Okay, from from the opening to the end. Um, I think that would be like kind of if the word, if the preaching's at the center, the next rung out for me would be, you know, are the songs that being sung, are they reflecting our truth of scripture? Are they, are they reminding me about who God is and what he's done for me? Or is it about, is it all experiential? Mm, yeah. Um, is, is it reflecting the truth of scripture and the gospel or the subjective truth of experience? Um, you know, is, are there, uh, times of prayer and, and scripture reading, right. like First Timothy four. Yeah, uh, Paul instructs Timothy to devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. Um, you know, um, First Timothy two, praying for all people. I mean, you go you go on and on. I think that would be the next thing I would look for. What does the rest of the service and the worship gathering look like? Yeah, yeah. No, I I think what I found is. When there is an emphasis on the preaching and teaching of God's word, there's also an emphasis on biblical worship and worship being about God. And so that's worshiping through song. That's worshiping through the sacraments, Lord's Supper and baptism. That's worshiping through um, 
prayer and a heavy emphasis on prayer. That's worshiping through the reading of God's word. Um, all of that, there's a heavy emphasis on proper worship. And, uh, so yeah, that, that would definitely kind of in a nutshell of what to look for. Those would be the things that I'm looking for is, is, is it a concert and are there a couple really talented musicians that are getting a bunch of glory or is Christ being exalted through all aspects of worship on the Lord's day. And, uh, and so, yeah, that, that, those would be some, some great things to look for as well. Anything else that y'all would recommend somebody look for, for lo- when you're looking at or assessing your, your pastor, pastor, pastoral staff, anything like that? I, I think going back to evaluating the church, I would, if I were, if I was introduced to who the, if I knew who the pastors were, which in our day and time, most people look up that kind of stuff on a website. Mm -hmm. I I would look to see how the people that are leading are interacting with the people in the pews. Okay. In what way? So I think going back to the whole theme of celebrity um, culture and churches, I mean, I know of bigger churches that I've had friends go to where they, you know, I've asked them, have you ever met so-and-so who's the lead preacher? And they say, no, like they come out at the beginning, they leave at the end. Right. And, you know, I grew up in a church where um, our shepherd really was there. He was present Mm -hmm. and you'd go in his office, talk to him. You could talk to him right before the service starts. And, and, um, you know, and I'm not saying the pastor has to be an extrovert and be talking to everyone hundred miles an hour. But shepherds are among the sheep. And I do think you can pick up a lot about the shepherd-sheep relationship by watching the shepherd or the shepherds interact, how they interact with the sheep on a Sunday morning. Because that in many ways is going to tell you if they're not really interacting on Sundays when they see each other, then there's probably not much interaction in the week either. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> um yeah, what what's the saying where uh, the shepherd is going to, if he's a good shepherd, he's going to smell like the sheep? And the other day, too, I heard somebody say, um, if you don't like the sheep, you're probably not called to be a shepherd. You know, if you don't like being with sheep, uh, then you're probably not called to be a shepherd. So, um, well, to kind of wrap all of this up, uh, my my hopes is that we understand what the call to an elder is. It's, uh, it's, there's a call to an eldership, plurality of elders. And in doing that, you have several men that have taken on the burden of shepherding a local body of believers. And, and that's through um, the ordinary means of grace on the Lord's day. That's through all of that. And then, um, and then you have a deacon body that comes and they are the lead servants. They're there to, to serve the members of the body. Um, but these are things that we need to be looking for in pastors, pastors that have a backbone, pastors that are preaching the word, pastors that are making a stand for Christ because they are the leaders of the church. And those are the churches that are going to best engage the culture with the truth of the gospel. And so, uh, that's what we need to be looking at. Nick, uh, we got a minute till we get bumped off of Zoom, but I appreciate you being on here, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, 
honored to be on the Locust and Honey podcast and get to do my affirmations and denials. There you go. Um, too bad I don't have a big hot bowl of soup. That's true. That's true. That's for the OGs that have been around for a long time. (laughs) Um, Well, all right, everybody. Uh, If you have enjoyed this, uh, let us know. (laughs) And if not, keep trying. (laughs) Keep plugging away (laughs) until you enjoy it. But um, have a good Lord's Day. We're glad that you're here. We love you guys. And join us next week for another episode of Locust Honey Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye. See ya. <laughs>